We're doing a topical sermon on the topic of, of rest at this point. Uh, and again, they're very rare for us to do. We tend to take a passage and preach the passage, but today we're doing it. So I found it's incredibly fun, but it's also incredibly difficult to take what feels like you know, 10 hours of information that you'd want to preach and think, no, these people want to eat lunch at some point. I should probably part down a little bit less than that. I did my best to do that. Don't worry, you will get to eat today. And so we're going to be, begin today just because we like to begin by reading a passage of Scripture with Psalm 121, verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, we live in a culture of constant motion, cities that never sleep, truly endless options for entertainment. There is always more to do, and so many of us find no time to rest. Please help us this morning to be convinced of our creaturely need for spiritual and physical rest as we look to Christ and enjoy the gifts, the gift of rest and the gift of sleep. Uh, take away the pride of relentless productivity in our hearts and teach us to find Sabbath rest. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So I'll say for the first 22 years of my life, I, I believed myself to be invincible, like a lot of fresh out of college students believe. And then on June of, uh, in the month of June, the year 2002, I absolutely broke. Uh, Laura and I were getting married uh, that summer, and so I was highly motivated to be getting into shape and uh, doing it on very short notice. And so I was running every single morning, sometimes in the evening. I was out running as well, trying to make up for lost time. Uh, I was working during the days at Allstate, and I was going to bed at about 10 o'clock, uh, at night, which wouldn't have been a big deal, except for I was setting my alarm for 2 a.m. in the morning so that I could watch the World Cup games that were taking place in Korea and Japan that summer. Uh, Brazil won that year. The Sardos will appreciate that, wherever they are. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, but, you know, between very little sleep I, and no rest from exercise, I found myself having a, uh, a panic attack that absolutely mimicked a heart attack. And after this terrifying rush to the ER, I learned what happened to me was uh, a result of, of no rest, no sleep, no stopping, no giving in to that God-given necessity that I actually stop and rest. See, rest is not really something we, we value in the Western culture. It, it has no value. There, you know, busyness, that's a virtue. Increasing productivity, you know, is a sought-after goal. How do we do that? How do we do that? But, uh, you know, after all, how often have you found yourself asking someone, you know, how is life going? How are things? And their answer is something along the lines of, we're busy. We're really busy. Just busy, busy, busy. Uh, you know, we, we go, we go, and go, and go. And I'm telling you, it's not physically sustainable. And it is not spiritually wise for us to continue that way. So whether you realize it or not, no matter your age... We need to embrace this gift of rest that God gives us. And as we consider this today, I'm intentionally mixing the, the spiritual and the physical. We tend to want to divide these two, um, but we're going to keep them together because God has created us body and soul. The two are so closely linked that to deal with either one is to deal with the other one. You know, you, you can't sleep three hours a night for day after day or night after night after night and expect it's going to have no effect on your spiritual life. So one of the, you know, uh, the idea of rest then, we, we must understand, was given by God to his people. It's included in the, the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment in Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
The Sabbath is a time of rest that uh, is holy to the Lord. But Sabbath, the actual word Sabbath, is, is just a Hebrew word that literally, literally means to cease, to stop, to rest. I think too often we get, we get hung up with the fourth command as this idea is it's some, some duty that we have to be, be performing. And, and the, the, the side effect of that is sometimes we miss that it's, it's not just some duty to be performed, but it is a delight to be enjoyed. I think maybe if, if we could understand it better, if we considered it in, in different words, you know, if it said, thou shall relax, maybe we wouldn't fight so much against it. Or thou shall chill out. Maybe we wouldn't fight so much again. And I, I personally do believe that Sundays are set apart for rest and worshiping the Lord. Uh, figuring out how to best practice that is an ongoing thing throughout our entire life after each stage of, of life that we're in. Uh, but I want you to also know, know this, that, that nothing I'm going to say today is contingent upon your view of the Sabbath. Right? We're going to talk about rest in, in general. Now, in, in Matthew 12, verse 8, we learn that, that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. That's a statement about authority, but he's the Lord of the Sabbath. See, see just as the Sabbath day was instituted to give man rest from his labors, uh, Jesus has, has, has himself come to provide us rest, to provide us rest from attempting to labor to achieve our own salvation by works. Because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we, we, we can forever cease laboring to obtain God's favor, and thus we can rest in his mercy. We can rest in the grace of the Lord. See, that's the point in the book of Hebrews. That's the point when in verse, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, we read this, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. There is resting in Jesus that only those who have faith in Jesus can experience in their life. That's what Jesus is getting at in that famous statement from Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, where, where he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He continues on, Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We, we go about life never feeling good enough, never feeling lovable. But, but in the gospel, that, that Jesus calls us to this, this rest, not because we've finally been good enough, not because we've finally made ourselves lovable, but because Christ has done it for us. Augustine, or St. Augustine, as some call him, famously prayed to God, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until it rest in thee. Christian, we, we need to know that we can rest in Jesus. Really rest. The, the gospel is rest from the need to prove yourself to those who are around you. You see, no longer do you need to prove to the world that you're worth something. You don't have to show your coworkers that you're better than them, working late hours and, and, and crazy amounts of time, especially because Jesus calls you to love those coworkers instead of always trying to exalt yourself over them. You see, the, the theological reality here is that, that God did not create us to make ourselves great, but rather he made us to marvel at his greatness. The meaning of life is, is not to find ourselves. The meaning of life is not to prove ourselves, but rather to find God as he makes himself known to us. So Christian, are you, are you resting content in the Lord? In whatever stage of life you are in, and it's going to change, it's constantly changing. Um, 
See, we, we struggle to rest at times because we're all a, a little bit of a control freak, if we're honest. Right? We always like to point out someone else who's a bigger control freak than us because it makes us feel better. But, but deep down, we're all a little bit of a control freak. And, and we fail to remember this fundamental truth that, that uh, this guy, Zach Eswine, a pastor in Missouri, uh, brought to my attention in his book, Sensing Jesus. It's, it's this simple confession that is pretty profound. It's this confession that we all need to be making at times. And the confession is this. I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. I did not make the world. I do not sustain the world. I do not control the world. I am not the Christ. I want you to say that with me out loud. I mean, it's a verbal confession. I mean, say this. I am not the Christ. This is participation time, right? Make sure you're awake. I am not the Christ. That's a confession that we need to be saying at times. You know, when you're, when you're struggling to rest in life and in the gospel, to confess that to yourself, just stop. I am not the Christ. And so then we also need to consider <clears throat> all aspects of, of rest. Uh, Adam Mabry, who's, who's not a Sabbatarian, meaning he doesn't see Sunday as a day that's been set apart for specifically uh, for, for worship and rest. But he says this. He says, <clears throat> yes. We find our ultimate rest in Jesus. But that doesn't negate the need to deliberately rest our minds, souls, and bodies on a regular basis. Very simply, Sabbath is a time of rest holy to the Lord. It is a time that is given to God to receive refreshment from God. And again, this is spiritual and physical. It's soul and body. It encompasses all that we are. And so, so let me ask you this. Do you ever find yourself sick or injured and you go to the doctor and rather than giving you some amazing medicines like you were hoping for, his only prescription is rest. <clears throat> you feel a little bit ripped off, right? I rest, just sit there. <clears throat> That's what I was doing when I was waiting for the appointment. <laughs> Why would a doctor do that? And, and here's the thing that we don't realize sometimes is when, when you're resting, your body is not just sitting there. It's not like when you just turn your car off. It's not doing nothing. It, it's actually healing. It's, it, it's actually a restorative process that's going on because of the way God has made you. Now understand, as we, we look at this topic of rest, it's, it's not a call for laziness, right? No one's arguing for that. Rest is not a synonym for lazy. It's just not. The Psalms, the Proverbs, they're absolutely full of, of warnings against being lazy, against being sluggards. They, you know, they speak of that, but they also speak of our absolute need for rest and sleep after hard work. So, so let me just consider sleep. This one has been amazing to me in recent years. Um, I, I've always loved this, this old story, and I've never been able to confirm it, uh, but the story goes like this. <clears throat> uh, there's a rookie reporter, brand new, and he has this opportunity to, to interview C.S. Lewis. And he's amazed, and so he sits down with C.S. Lewis, and eventually he asks him this question, what's the key to living the Christian life? And, and C.S. Lewis, to his great surprise, responds simply, sleep. He doesn't know what to make of that. I think we're going Spurgeon style. <laughs> and, and maybe it's not C.S. Lewis, but somebody said that, Right? that the key to the Christian life is, is sleep. And, and I think we want to push that off and say, no, not really. Uh, but I want to suggest there's more to that statement than we might realize. In fact, David, David Murray wrote, uh, few things are as theological as sleep. Few things are as theological as sleep. 
Psalm 20, 121, 3 and 4, we read at the beginning. I'll tell you again. Uh, God will not let your foot be moved. He, will not, he who keeps you will not slumber. That means sleep. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Here we find here, written in the Psalms, this creature and creation or creator distinction uh, that is so, so important to our understanding of who God is. See, God never sleeps because he's God. You're not God, though. I'm not God. And, and we have these limits that God doesn't have. We absolutely must sleep. Even if we don't want to, you can only go so long before you'll just fall asleep in the middle of putting your pants on, right? Or wherever you are, you'll just fall asleep. And you see, sleep actually reveals a, a lot about our, our hearts. You know, when we start asking this question, uh, what am I doing instead of sleep? It's going to give you some idea about idols in your heart. You know, are you, are you online shopping? Are you staying up to watch sports? Uh, whatever it might be, even if it's not necessarily sinful, it's going to start giving you some idea of the idols of your heart. So science does this wonderful job of drawing out the details of the way that God has actually created us. Um, and we're constantly learning more and more about how badly that we, we as humans, as God's creation, need a good night's sleep. See, when we, we sleep, our, our bodies actually go into this cleansing mode, removing toxins from our brain. You wouldn't know what's happening, but that's what's happening. And, and what they found is that failure to do so increases, increases the chance of developing Alzheimer's later in life. Not only that, some of you might think that's way down the line. Who cares? Uh, science has also discovered that sleep deprivation, meaning getting too little sleep, uh, has been shown to cause coronary narrow narrowing, an increased risk of stroke, cancer, high blood pressure, heart disease, and infertility. There's a, a study that was done that found that those who slept less than seven hours were three times more likely to come down with a cold than those who were just over eight hours. We're talking about an hour difference there, a three times distinction on whether you're going to get sick from a cold. We've learned that when we, when we get proper sleep, our bodies perform better athletically. The, the best athletes in the world, including LeBron James, who I'm not a fan of, but is one of the best athletes in the world, and Rafael Nadal have, have made this big point about getting incredible amounts of sleep in order that their body can rest and recover, and they found that they actually perform better. There's a bunch of other guys that could be in that list as well. You might say, well, who cares? I'm not an athlete. Well, the same is true for academics. There's a, a German study that showed that when faced with the same problem uh, to do on paper, those who slept through the night were twice as likely to get the problem right than those who were simply disrupted in the middle of the night at some point. Students who get adequate sleep score higher on standardized tests than those who don't. There, there are emotional effects as well, even if you say, I don't care about academics either, right? People of all ages who get too little sleep are far more likely to struggle with depression and anxiety. Lack of sleep affects our own safety. 100,000 accidents, fatal accidents a year, are the result of people falling asleep at the wheel when driving. And it affects our self-control. I found this one interesting. Uh, former President Bill Clinton once said, and, and those of you know his story, this is going to make some sense to you, every major mistake he has ever made coincided with sleep deprivation. Every one of them. Ariana Huffington, again, not someone I necessarily am a fan of, but she wrote this great book on sleep where, where she writes this. She says, self-control requires mental energy, and each of us has a limited reservoir. 
When we're tired, these energy reservoirs reserves run low, and our self-control suffers. That's why uh, why Warren's a 2015 review of Clemson University, sleep deprivation puts us at greater risk of succumbing to impulse, impulsive desires, poor at attention capacity, and compromised decision making. In, in other words, I mean, hear this, in other words, you are more likely to sin when you are tired. And most of us actually know this from experience. Either our own or parents, you watch your children struggle with, with things that they know the right thing to do when they're exhausted. Now understand, that's not an excuse for sin. It's not, I, I was tired, so it's okay that I sin. But, but it tells us that one of the, one of the absolute best tools for, for our desire to obey God's word is as simple as sleep. Christian author Don Carson says, our call to love God and neighbor is tied to our sleep. He puts it this way. He says, if you're among those who become nasty, cynical, or even full of doubt when you, when you are missing your sleep, you are morally obligated to try and get the sleep you need. <clears throat> How many of you are sitting next to someone right now who is morally obligated to get more sleep? More than you're willing to admit, probably. So with this knowledge, then, that we have about sleep, this is the interesting thing. Um, it would kind of be on par with knowing everything we know today and still refusing to wear your seatbelt when driving down the highway. And yet, what we find is that 40% of American adults are absolutely sleep deprived. You might be asking, how much sleep do we actually need? I want you to ask it because I set it up that way, right? Um, <clears throat> adults, you need seven to nine hours. Seven is the minimum, right? Not six and a half, not six, seven to nine hours. Teens need eight to 10 hours. Elementary school student age students need, uh, children need nine to 11 hours. Nine to 11 hours. Parents, are you, are you setting a rhythm of life that provides at least nine hours of sleep for your children? Because that's not easy to do but it's great for them, if you will. It, it, it's a direct impact, you know, uh, even on their, their mental and their physical development. Uh, God, in, in Psalm 127, verse 2, assures us that sleep is, is not just some error in the human design, right? It's not just, oops, did that wrong. Um, it's a gift that God actually gives us. There, there God's word says, it's in vain that you rise up early and go to bed late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. And then it says, for he gives to his beloved sleep. It's a gift of the Lord. Shauna Murray or Shona Murray wrote that when we get, we get the sleep we need, what we're saying to God is this. I, I believe God will look after my family, my work, my studies. I refuse to believe the lie that everything depends upon me. In other words, sleeping is trusting that God is sovereign, that the world is not out of his control. So, so let, me, let me get real practical today and, and give you a little bit of advice for getting more sleep because it's not always to get sleep. I know some of you are like Laura, my wife, who just puts her head down to the side, she's going to bed and she falls asleep. Other of you sit in bed and you wish you could fall asleep, but you can't. <clears throat> it's a little tougher. So here's a few things that'll, that'll help. One, get exercise. That doesn't mean you have to run a marathon. Get out, walk, something like that in the day that you're expending some energy. Uh, two, Find a rhythm to bedtime. Uh, herbal tea, I know that sounds weird. Soft music, warm bath, these are things they say. Some sort of rhythm that you know that you're heading towards bedtime. 
Three, cut down on caffeine, particularly in the afternoon. Uh, I'll say, I think it was about six months ago, I cut out almost all the caffeine in my life, and it has been a huge, huge help to me getting more sleep in my life. It might not work for you, but if you find yourself struggling to sleep, it's worth giving it a try. Uh, Four, stay away from bright lights and screens in the evening. Our our bodies actually uh, create this chemical called melatonin, uh, and it makes you sleepy and want to go to sleep at night. Uh, we find that uh, what, what triggers this, right, is, or rather sunlight has this, this various rays of light in it, and one of the rays is called blue light. And this blue light actually stops your body from releasing melatonin into your system, which is why you don't get as tired when you're around bright light. So um, why we don't get sleepy during the day. The, the thing we found in recent history, though, is that digital screens are a lot like the sun. They also emit this blue light, uh, and using them or allowing our children to use them in the evening prevents their bodies from releasing this, this melatonin, which is going to make them ready for bed, right? So you're sitting in front of this screen, and the next thing you know, you're not tired. You don't want to go to bed. Um, and, and so at bedtime, you might consider reading books instead of screens. Or, uh, or I'll say, if you're going to be around screens anyway, I, I found this to be one of the biggest changes in my own sleep patterns. Uh, and they have these glasses that you can wear, orange glasses, that will actually block blue light. <clears throat> these are the ones I picked out. My wife hasn't touched me since. <laughs> she, she instead bought me these which are only a slight upgrade, but they have these orange lenses in them. A little better. Um, (laughs) And the whole idea is they block blue light so that you're not affected by these screens. Uh, And so if you're struggling, I I would highly recommend you at least try these. You can get the cheap version down at Home Depot or or somewhere in town like that, or the other ones are on Amazon. Now, there's a whole bunch of other other things that you can do. I'll just give us one more. Uh, It's this. Draw near to God. Um, when the gospel is real to us and, and present, like actually present in your mind, then every other stress of the world begins to loosen its grip on you. All those things running through your mind at bedtime, you know, be, begin to come to bedtime where you're, you're willing to, uh, or, or, or desiring even, to, to pray at bedtime, to, to read a psalm, to, to just renew your understanding of the gospel, its realness, what it means for you, to, to deal with all that stress that's on you before you, you lay down and try to go to bed. So that's something on sleep. Sleep is big, but we all know that's, that rest is more than sleep. And, and we're not a culture <clears throat> that really lets our brains ever stop moving. I was, uh, I was reading this novel called How to Stop Time. It was pretty interesting. Uh, it's a, a fictional book. It's not real, which you'll know here in a minute. Uh, anyway, the main character has this thing where he, he's lived for over 500 years, and he's watched all these different generations and the world progress. And he makes this wonderful observation about our, our generation. He says, I, I see through a window a row of people running on treadmills. They're all staring up at what I assume is a row of TV TV screens above their heads. Some of them are plugged into their headphones. One is checking her iPhone as she runs. Places don't matter to people anymore. Places aren't the point. People are only half present where they are these days. They always have at least one foot in the great digital nowhere. Let me ask you, have you ever ever eaten a meal and knew just immediately that that was regrettable, just immediately, before you even walked out of the place. Um, lots of calories, 
no, no actual nutrients, no nourishments. And, and, and the thing is, if, if you were to do that meal after meal, what you'd find is that you actually become malnourished. You, you begin to starve your body, even though you're stuffing your face with food. And, and entertainment can be a lot like that in regards to rest. Social media, Netflix, they, these things aren't actually refreshing to us. They're, they're numbing, right? And I know I'm about to, to get onto something that can really protect a thing in some of our lives, but, but they're a lot like morphine. It, it doesn't really fix the broken leg. It, it doesn't actually do anything for the healing of the broken leg. It, it just numbs the pain in the moment, right? And, and I know, I, I say it too, I absolutely do confess. You know, there, there are times where I just say, I just want to watch TV because I find it relaxing. For me, it's relaxing, and no one can argue against that, right? Um, I, I just don't know that it really is refreshing. It, it's numbing, yes. It, it's unwinding to some degree, yeah, absolutely. Netflix isn't bad, but, but let's not mistake unwinding for rest. They're not the same thing. Because, un, unwinding, or because rest it, is actually restorative. It is refreshing. You, you think about that. We, we looked at that verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, earlier. Uh, where Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Well, that, that same Greek word that's translated rest here is also translated refresh in a number of other places. You see, when, when, when Paul is talking about this time spent with uh, his, his brothers in Christ and, and just the refreshments that it came from that, that's what he says. He says, for they refreshed my spirit. Or, or in Philemon 120, Paul writes asking Philemon, you know, when I come to see you, what I, what I really desire is, is that you refresh my heart in Christ. It's the word rest right there. Even as we, we look in the Old Testament, when, when God is explaining the Sabbath again in, in Exodus 23, 12, he's talking about Sabbath rest, and he gives his reason for it, this idea that, you know, those who partake in, in the rest that I'm calling you to, the, the whole reason for it is may that they may be refreshed. That's the goal of it. You know, fueled with energy that they might go again. Not just pausing, but fueled to go again. We, we, we sometimes use movie and social, movies and social media just as an escape from life. See, I was, I was talking to uh, a godly man in his mid-20s who, who recently began this, this break from social media, and I asked him why. And, and this is what he said. He said, if I'm feeling overwhelmed by anything, my gut response is to distract myself. And Facebook, Twitter, Reddit have become the primary tools lately. I'm not using it to connect anymore, but to avoid the things I should be doing or to avoid the conversations I should be having. Christians, rich community is restful. And one of the reasons that we find that we're not seeking out meaningful, real interaction is that we think we're getting it on social media because we know what's going on with people. Let me put it this way. Social media is the fried okra of community. Let me explain that. <laughs> you might like it, right? It tastes good. It has some redeeming qualities. Nobody can argue with it. But it doesn't really count as a vegetable. You're not going to fool a mother anywhere that that's your vegetable. That's what social media is like to community. You know, so, so let me ask you, will you try something and, and maybe expand it beyond this week if you find it beneficial for, for just one day, maybe today, just put down your phone, um, unless you're talking on it, right? Put down your phone, uh, turn off your TV, 
Forget about video games, social media. Just take a digital Sabbath and, and live in the real world for a little while. And again, this is not a command of the Lord, right? It, it's just an idea to try. And I'm asking that you, that you might try it. And my reason is this, because, because I think you might find more refreshment in your life if you do so. Um, uh, I, I, a few years back, I, I took a little over a week off of social media. This is my incredible self-will, uh, right? Willpower. I, took, I took a week off Facebook. I deserve an award. And it was years ago. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I mentioned this because this is what I found. I found my first response was the absolute FOMO, that fear of missing out, that, you know, what don't I know right now because I'm not present there? Can you check Facebook and tell me what's going on? You know, it's just this panic mode. And, and then what I found was I felt bored. Well, no one wants to be bored, right? And, and then the weirdest thing happened. It was like this, this next stage after boredom. I, I found my appetite to actually interact with people, to actually seek out real interaction with people, showed up. I, I wanted to talk to people. You know, tell me about your day. Who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? Do you think Jesus could, talk, could walk on lava? You know, things like that. Just, I just want to talk to people suddenly. I want to hear what's going on. And it was great. Uh, and so I, I, I just say this, you know, just think about how entertainment and social media play into your pursuit of actual refreshment. You know, make sure you're seeking after what, what you really want. Refreshment, right? Not just a pause on life. And I'm not saying that you should quit Facebook. Don't, don't hear that. But I also want you to know that you, you shouldn't be afraid to quit Facebook. And you shouldn't be afraid to take some time off if, occasionally. Okay. So we, we, we talked about resting in the gospel earlier, but, but what about resting with the Lord? I, I know our lives are incredibly busy. It's, in, it's incredibly hard to find unrushed time with the Lord. And, and yet think about this, <clears throat> uh, about Jesus, rather. He had so much on his plate, and yet he made time to meet with his Father in prayer all the time. And I, I think the reason is, is because he understood that, that this was the fuel for endurance. If we want to keep going strong, then we need to be refreshed through unrushed time with God. I, I find it incredibly interesting. Mark 6.30, uh, we read this. The, the apostles have gone out, and they're preaching, and they're teaching. They're seeing all these amazing things happen, and, and they come back. They re, it says they returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And you might think Jesus is going to be impressed and be like, great, go back out there. Let's, let's see more, right? Uh, you know, but, but listen to how Jesus actually responds. He says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place, and rest a while. Sometimes in our life, we, we've been ministering, we've been working hard, you've been, you've been caring for your neighbors, your family, all this thing, and there's a place for you to come away from the world for a while, to a desolate place, and, and rest a while. And they're resting with Jesus, not apart from Jesus here, to, to, to stay away and just, just be with Jesus. See, there's no better advice for anyone who's in, in need of, of rest than to go and meet with the Lord. And by that, I, I mean prayer is a means of rest. Time in God's word is a, is a means of rest. Occasionally, finding extended periods of time to meet with the Lord. That's probably one of the hardest things to do when you, when you get out of college, guys. That's how those of you that are transitioning, you're going to be looking for this. Your, your schedule fills up to keep finding time to do that extended period of time. You know, sitting at the park or coffee shop or your room, just someplace undistracted. Because there's refreshment from it. There's refreshment that comes with God that, that shrinks the anxiety in our hearts like nothing else in the world. 
It's like 1 Peter 5, 7, you know, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Or Isaiah 26, 3 through 4, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. All right, so, so let me just give you a, a few ideas for seeking rest, and, and then we'll close in prayer. I know it's getting a little long. Because um, I know that, that really in life, it's, it's not easy to find time to rest. Um, we work all week. You've got sports to either attend with children or, or sports to watch on TV, parties. There's, there's mowing the yard on, on the weekend. Everything seems to fill up in our schedules real quick. And, and so first, that, you know, uh, the first thing, though, I want to advise you with this is I think many of us need to deal with the guilt that you feel when you rest. I mean, it, it, just think about that. Is, is that you? Do, you? do you feel guilty when resting? If, if you sat and just read a book, or just sat down outside doing nothing, or went for a slow walk on the linear tra- trail, would, would you constantly be thinking in the back of your head about all the things you could and should be doing at that moment? Do, do, you, do, you, do you relate with this guy? I'm going to tell you. His name's Steve, and it's shared in this book by David Murray called Reset. And, and this guy says this. He says, I came to the point where I realized I had to fight false guilt with true guilt. I wrongly felt guilty because I couldn't be everything to everyone all the time. Instead, I need to feel guilty for trying to be God. I need to feel guilty for not submitting to the limits he's placed me under. My, my problem was basically the same as someone living beyond their financial, financial means. I was overspending. I had, to convince myself, I, I had convinced myself God wanted me to. I made his yoke hard and his burden heavy. See, it might help if you realize <clears throat> that you won't lose anything by resting <clears throat> that you really need. And, and we won't, we won't, we don't really, um, let me start that over. We won't lose anything by resting that we really need to keep. And, and you won't acquire anything by overworking that we won't one day lose anyway. That, that's the bottom line there. Uh, a second place to seek rest is in Sunday worship. Uh, this is a time to gather together with, with others whose faith is in Christ, others who are trusting him for their salvation, and, and to worship the Lord. We, we come in here weary some weeks, and, and we are refreshed in the gospel. Even if you're not a Sabbatarian, right, even if you're not convinced of that, you can still choose to set this day apart for worship and rest. It's, it's already part of the natural rhythm of the life that you, you live in. Um, three, seek rich and meaningful community. We intentionally, as a church, have very, uh, very few programs, right? Uh, every so often, uh, visitors will come here, and, and they'll ask me out loud, right, this question, uh, where are the things to do? Uh, you know, we want things to do. When, when you have this, you know, when are you going to have this or that program? The assumption is you don't have them because you just haven't put them together yet. See, we, we don't have many. We, we don't have many so that, that you can have time to be a Christian witness, a, a Christian presence in the community where you actually live. And, and we don't have many so that it, the church is a sanctuary of, of rest in your life. Not, not another place that there's a hundred things you need to be doing running around at a hundred miles per hour. We, we want you to actually have time to, to spend hanging out with your family or hanging out with your friends or hanging out with your neighbors. We, we hope to see grassroots hospitality and genuine Christians, Christian fellowship. See, this, this summer, um, let me encourage you to invite someone over. 
Not, not with a fancy meal. Don't do that, right? Don't, don't put that pressure on yourself. You don't have to have them over all day. Just order some pizza or make cold cuts, you know, sit on the porch and, and just sit there and have this conversation asking questions, you know, while, while the children argue about some injustice in whatever game they're playing. You can just have these conversations, something like that. Um, There'll be new people and new families moving to town this summer. Be the first friend they meet. Be the welcoming hug of hospitality. Be the community you desire to have. But that means having margin in your life, right? This is not another thing to add on. Build your life in such a way that those things aren't going to put you over the edge. Uh, Fourth, rest before you're exhausted. None of us intentionally drive around and wait for the car to run out of gas before we should get gas now. Uh, right? That makes everything a bigger issue. Don't, don't waste till you're absolutely empty before you, you rest. Start building into your life now. Uh, fifth, again, building margin into your, your life, your schedule, because rushing is not restful. No one's ever seen the guy running through the airport trying to catch his plane thing. Well, that looks relaxing. <laughs> Never, ever. And our, our days can be managed better so we don't have to rush so much. You know, leave 10 minutes early for the five-minute commute so that when your youngest child can't find his shoe, you know, that it's not a big deal. Or when you end up behind someone's grandma going 10 miles an hour, it's not a big deal. Um, schedule that way. Uh, six, but plan your weeks. You know, sit with your spouse or sit by yourself and plan rest time into your calendar. Build in rhythms of life. They're not just going to show up as much as you imagine they, and hope they will. Our, our first year in, in Manhattan, the, uh, <clears throat> the Durrits shared with us this Friday tradition in their life. It is, it is so simple. It is pizza and a movie, right? Uh, every Friday, unless there's some exception, there's always exceptions, but every Friday there's pizza and a movie for the children and there's uninterrupted conversation for the parents. Uh, and, and that's just a tradition in their life. So we have totally embraced that, and that is part of our life now. Things like that. Get creative about what these might look like in your life. Um, get it fixed on your calendar so that you have rest. Uh, also, consider how Sundays might be more restful for your whole family. It's, it's not easy to figure out, uh, but it can be incredibly beneficial to start talking about it, saying this is what we're going to do on a Sunday so that we can go back to the, work, to the week feeling, feeling refreshed, right? Uh, seventh, this one might sound dumb, but read a book. Yes, a novel. I mean, the slow entertainment of it, just to slow your life down a little bit, but also be, be reading Christian books. You know, reading these, these Christian books by authors, it's a lot like being, being mentored by some of the, the, the most amazing Christian men in the history of the world. You know, but don't go around saying that Charles Spurgeon was your mentor. That'll get weird real quick. Um, but, but seek that kind of thing. Uh, eighth, take your vacations actually take them um, and, and when our culture stops the best that you possibly can also stop as well don't be that person that retires with you know he has 80 days of vacation time yay you no one cares actually get the rest that you need and on memorial day you know fourth of july things like that don't don't always think oh we can get another project done that's not what those days are always for it's fine sometimes but but sometimes just be contented to enjoy this time off that god has given you and again, these are just ideas. Many of yours are going to look different. I, um, let me just give you one more assignment. We'll be done today. Uh, today, sit down by yourself. If you're married, sit down and have this conversation with your, your spouse. But, but write two lists. The first list is a list of things that drain you. It's good to know the things that are going to take away 
rest and refreshment, to just got a better understanding of you. It's a brainstorming thing. These are the things that really exhaust me. <clears throat> and the second list is, is what fills you up. Be careful there, because I don't mean this is what entertains me, and I don't mean this is what interests me, but, but what truly refreshes you is what you're trying to answer here. And, and then I want you to write or discuss ways that you can intentionally, um, <clears throat> and in whatever stage of life you're in, actually start making time for those things that, that energize you. Um, also, these two books, I can't help but recommend them. They have been incredibly helpful. The first is uh, for, specifically for men. It's called Reset by David Murray. If you want a book to read this summer, I highly recommend it. Uh, and the other one <clears throat> was written by he and his wife, Shauna. I don't know how to pronounce it, S-H-O-N-A. You might know. Uh, it's called Refresh. It is uh, great reading. I would highly encourage you to take the time to read it this summer, especially as you're trying to understand what it means to get rest. Uh, and I like to end with quotes. And today we're, we're ending with a quote by Adam uh, Mabry in his book called uh, The Art of Rest. He says this, True Sabbath rest is about learning a new rhythm to life where we celebrate the sovereignty of God, enjoy the liberation of the gospel, and truly trust the salvation that Jesus gives us. Uh, don't let this end here, though. Carry this conversation out. If you have questions, you know, these are conversations to have as you start looking for rest in your life. It is a, it is a gift of the Lord. Don't, don't just think you can go forever. That's your limitation as a human. Seek answers to these things where you find rest in your life. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, help us to see our need for rest, not as a weakness, but as a human limitation, a part of your good design. Teach us in, in a world of go, go, go to make it a priority to rest in Christ, to rest in sleep, to rest on the Lord's day as we worship together and slow down to ponder and to read and enjoy the beauty of the world that you have placed us in. Lord, would you be glorified in our life, not just by the things we do, but uh, by the rest we seek and find in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.